to the second episode of the well, not the seventy five hundred to Hulk Hulk cast, but actually on the pod, my lord. Uh, this second episode, um, I I've betrayed myself already. I did say I wouldn't make things relevant to current events. Um, I'll just try and make an anthology. But after a six nil drubbing by Liverpool FC, I feel like I have to make stuff kind of relevant to events that are currently ongoing. To say there's a lot of dissent in the Aston Villa fan base would be a understatement. Aston Villa are not in a good place right now, um, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, their position in the Premier League is only defined by the current frustration at how the club is run. The seemingly apathetic view by some of our most senior players, uh, hoping not to name names, but you, uh, the name Jolien Lescott may make you have an aneurysm. So yeah, what does um, buying a ticket to Villa Park and talk you to as a fan? I remember um, in June, July almost, was it? May? Basically, I started a new job in uh, April 2015, and with a new job, obviously, comes money. And with money and uh, a bit of hope, obviously, come asked two pairs of, uh, well, a pair of Aston Villa season tickets. I wanted to boost my writing ability by going actually going to matches rather than watching on TV. And... Uh, getting a bit of a atmosphere down me seeing how that would affect my writing and that gave birth to my from the stands pieces and this podcast is very much in the company in a, you know the sister of those pieces um it's more of a verbal through the verbal form rather than writing down my thoughts and i feel that this form is maybe more effective especially in times like this where i can just pick up my microphone speak what's on my mind um ever since i've sat down you know at villa park one thing has happened this woman that sits behind me there's this whole thing of armchair supporters you know people who sit down with their sky sports super sunday package uh blast through the football and they think they you know they could uh win a battle of wits uh, with ranieri and wenger they could outmanage sherwood and guard uh, they could look at someone like Van Gaal and go I, I can do a better job than him and of course all of those are false maybe they could be a better manager than Sherwood it's not a very high bar it happens at matches as well there's a pair of people that sit behind me uh, they bring their sandwiches down um, they cause a mess uh, always scoffing food right down your ear you know um, very much that day tripper thing I've got nothing against people who come to Aston Villa for a match you know it's a big thing Especially uh, writing, you know, for an American blog, I'd be dissatisfied with myself if I were to critique people who went to Villa Park on a holiday. I know uh, one of our writers, RJ, hopes to come back to Aston Villa. I wouldn't want to hit brand him under this because this is very, this is a completely different thing. Um, these people come to Aston Villa, Villa Park, simply to moan. Um, they come from Stratford, they come from areas that are outside Birmingham and they just don't have a clue what's going on. Um, I don't like to say that only people in Birmingham can support this, but that's very much what contributes to people who have more stronger opinions than myself about it. So this woman, she just sits behind me and she's this, 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 nattering, nattering, nattering. Every single time I play, I do something wrong. Instead of you know injecting support into this very, I, I don't think it's the right word, but dilapidated strikes to me as a term I want to use, football club. 
every time someone does something wrong, you know, Gabby's not running enough. Ashley, as she says, is not doing enough. And uh, that is exactly how she says it. You know, it peaks almost as if there should be an accent, like in the French language, above some of those letters, because they come out of her mouth with such vitriol. You know, they are sharp. It is like a sword penetrating through that thin space of air. You know, when someone's sitting behind you at the cinema and they seat slightly above you, and it just penetrates that space of air and stabs in between like a missile aimed for the football pitch, just spinning down right towards those players, you know, the players you have paid to support. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't think a, t- a ticket, a season ticket, entitles you to victory. Yeah, you could certainly have your say. By this point, her and you know her compatriot support of the football club has been non-existent. Um, it's very much of a question of not what does she owe Aston Villa, but what she must think at Aston Villa owe her something, which is completely false. I mean, anyone who's ever went to a uh, a sporting match, uh, whether it's the Washington Generals, the New York Mets, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills. Or, of course, Aston Villa knows that paying does not entitle you to victory. Certainly, in the case of Cleveland Browns, paying does not entitle you to, you know, rip up the fucking team and transplant it into a different area. Paying for a ticket does not entitle you to victory at all. I think that's a f- very much a thing we need to change in modern football. It's easy enough to sit down and watch and, you know, clap every victory that happens on TV. And it's easy, isn't it, to take in a loss, you know, when it happens on TV. But because you're so, um, I guess it must be a thing of just being so fine, not just emotionally invested, but financially invested with the football club. Like it blinds your reality. You know, it blinds all this sense of um, common sense, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, pain for a ticket does not entitle you to victory it doesn't entitle you to make you shout and spur all the hatred that's built up over your shit week you know must have a terrible job as she says her knees hurt must have a terrible fucking you know her health must be in a state but she comes to Villa and just takes it all out on these players you know because nothing they do is good enough you know I'll get into an FA Cup final you know, not staying up last year despite the odds being against them, and not staying up this year despite having you know a championship quality team. You know, nothing is good enough, and that doesn't just go for me. I did think it was a microcosm. I thought that only the fans in my general area were dickheads. You know, the type of people that come to the match and expected victory because they paid popped out thirty five quid for a match. But I uh, tweeted Chris Nay of the Aston Villa review, and he goes, "No, happened beyond me all season." <laughs> And it is stupid. You know, one it's one thing on Twitter, isn't it? One thing on Twitter, having you say, because I could pick up my phone, say, OK, Google, and, it, you know, type this tweet out for me. It's done seconds. I can have my view out to 501 people in seconds. Gets retweeted, goes out to another, you know, thousand. Within 20 or so minutes of some retweets your view can be seen by 20,000 people so you want to have your view you want to say what you think you want to direct anger at the players you are angry with and yeah, you know maybe you're more entitled to say that when you don't actually pay for a ticket because paying for that ticket almost entitles you, doesn't it? it gives you that sense of thinking hang on, because I've paid for a football ticket because I've paid £35, £40, £77 for a football ticket that entitles me to spout vitriol up 
players I should be supporting for 90 minutes when it's simply not the case. I think the second part of what does a football ticket get you, I think at the very least it should be good football. At the very least it should be 100% effort by the players. In my job I go to work, you know, and I speak to sales execs who want ad- who they want adverts and they want adverts now, they want adverts made for their clients. If I weren't to give, if I weren't, you know, going to give 100% of my ability to my job, we'd lose business. People wouldn't bother speaking to me on the phone and asking me to make adverts. They speak to me because they know I can make adverts for them when they want to. If I were to go, yeah, Jack, and it's like, fuck off. Can't be bothered today. Got a bit of a, you know, got the lurgy. They just simply wouldn't call again. They simply wouldn't chuck me, you know, how many, how much money they are for an advert. It wouldn't bother with me and my boss. I'd just simply go to someone else. Um, but with a football club, you are very much tied. Well, I hope that people are tied to Aston Villa because you know the support and that that brotherhood, that bond, supporting the football club. It's, I've made many friends, uh, not least many, most everyone, you know, that I've worked with at seventy five hundred to Holt, and um, you know beyond that, everyone who talks about you know the Villa Twitter, everyone who's on that, everyone's speaking about Villa. I've made many friends, and you know I feel comfortable speaking to a lot of people through this. And because you know we all and everyone's in this together, the very least that can be expected is that Villa players give a hundred percent. So when Julian Lescott, you know, tweets a picture of an expensive car, you know that I could never hope to afford. No, I hate to shoot myself in the foot. And some, you know, if my girlfriend's listening to this, I'm really sorry, but we're never going, you know, never going to be able to afford a car like that or a house like that. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. It's disgusting. You know, Julian Lescott gets paid 35 grand a week. That is almost two and a half times of what I earn in a year. And saying it out loud just makes it more disgusting. Nothing against Julian Lescott, nothing against Michael Richards, but the money they're paid to not show up and perform is absolutely fucking outrageous. Um, that's a different story, though. I'm not going to boom for that. And going back to the woman I met entered in my previous point, I'm not going to spout vitriol at them. (laughs) You know, for them. No, I'm not going to spout vitriol about that. That wasn't their choice. This is relative money. Relative to their position, this is fair fair money for them. They're earning a dividend of the fucking storm of money that flies through football. You know, what they own a week is minuscule. In comparison to the actual money going around football, and I guess it's another it's another thing like that, you know. That football fans think they're entitled to a slice of that pie. It's never happened, has it? It's never happened, and it never will. And I guess you expect the best out of it. I guess that's why we boo, because if a band, you know, Guns and Roses, come on stage at Reading and Leeds and they sit on the stage, they kick up a fuss, they get booed off. It's the same as that. I'm not against, you know, booing your football club off. What I am against, however, is booing your own players. You know, regardless of if Jolien Lescott fucking tweets a stupid image. Regardless if Michael Richards spouts his mouth off. They're your players. They're your Michael Richards. That's your Jolien Lescott. That's your Raston Villa. Um, We can all get very angry about the actions they choose to do. But when they're on that pitch for 90 minutes... They're Aston Villa. You know, they're the stripes that run down just on the left of your chest. They're the prepared that goes under that lion. They are that star 
you know, the one that we may never see again. We may never reach those heights again. They are that badge. They are that Villa Park. They are that B6. They are that Aston. They are that Birmingham. They are that West Midlands. They are you. They are, you know, 7,500 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. Aston Villa mean so much more than just booing Jolie and Lescott or directing vitriol at him because of a stupid moment. Jolie and Lescott, as I've said, uh, posted a picture of a Mercedes. Pooh, not sure what to think about that still. Genuinely not sure, considering his excuse was I was driving and it tweeted out of my pocket. Um, the Sony Xperia, when you put it next to your face, it's got a smart sensor so it turns the phone's features off. It's next to skin, you know, resembling your face. So if you haven't, you know, if you're on a phone call, you put your phone down straight in your pocket, that smooth transition doesn't really turn the phone off. So whatever you were doing previous to that phone call may open up and your phone may not be locked, meaning, you know, if you are on Twitter with a fucking picture, you know, of Mercedes-Benz ready to go for whatever reason, it's going to go, you know, there's a chance it's going to send in your pocket. You know, and this isn't the first time Someone like Julian Lescott's been in this situation, is it? You know, it's not even a month, two months removed from the first time he was in a controversial situation with Aston Villa fans. <laughs> so when he posts a picture of Mercedes-Benz, and he doesn't instantly react and go, this was a fucking bad idea. You know, it is very easy to doubt his intentions. when he, And it's very easy to doubt his apology. And he steps up to the platform and goes, Hey, <laughs> this was a mistake, I'm sorry. Your support's amazing, by the way. Um, Stan Collingwell is another one. Coming back to the way he spoke about Lescott and demanded that you know everyone steps down and backs away and moves on from this. This is outside of a football match. This is fair game. Julian Lescott messed up outside of a football match. If this was in a football match, yeah, you know, give him the booze. Give him a bit of this, give him a bit of that. I wouldn't go as far as to go, you know, boom in the next match, dis- disrespect him in the next match. He's still a Villa player. But to come after a match, post an image like that and not respond, not react to that situation, shows me that people like him don't care. So to me, I don't think booing your own players really, you know, loudly for insignificant reasons is something that's really including that ticket pa- ticket package. Leandro Bakuna is someone that I have heard today um, having injury wished on them. The word donkey was used. I'm not sure if it was racially charged, but it's certainly a word which has racist connotations, especially to me. Um, this word may mean more to my American friends, may mean worse things to my American friends than it does to me. I associate the word donkey with Tony Adams, um, with Emil Heskey. It does seem like something that's used to large black players when they aren't performing well you know they've got bad touch someone like an Emil Heskey it doesn't seem like it's something you should be saying to someone who isn't white (laughs) it doesn't seem like a friendly thing to say or a racially fine thing to say 
And the first reaction would be, yes, I said it because Tony it reminded me of Tony Adams. You know, it's just a stupid player. I feel that the word donkey, you know, has racial connotations. And when that word was screamed past my ear by someone sitting behind me, my first reaction was my fists balled up. Almost as if I was seeing someone that I knew being, you know, racially assaulted. I wouldn't go as far to say that the manner in which the word was used towards Leandro Bakuna in that match was 100% racially motivated. I wouldn't say calling him a donkey in that match was racially motivated. But would, the question is, you know, if he was white and he was performing bad, would the word of donkey have been used? And that's where I really feel uncomfortable, you know, about its use. Um, I didn't feel fine about the way the one behind me spoke, you know, at the start of this podcast, but, you know, reflecting on it makes me genuinely concerned that there are more people like this who go to use words like donkey towards uh, players who aren't white. And yeah, Leandro Bakuna may be a shit player, but I do doubt that if he was white, the word donkey would have been used. It's simply not on. I wouldn't go as far as I say it's racial abuse. I'd say... The word was more than likely racially motivated and it definitely has racial connotations, but I can pretty much guarantee that like, in her head. And she was saying that it wasn't, you know, directed define or undermine Leandro Bicuna by his race. It was more to say he was a shit player. But I just hope that, you know, my fellow Aston Villa fans can, you know, keep their dignity and not say words which could be so confusing. You know, wanker, you know, twat, shit. They're all words we know what mean. If you say donkey, where it lies on this racial divide is unclear. So I'd advise anyone who's thinking of saying donkey towards a player who may be black, don't say it. Part of the ticket package we're speaking about here, A, it doesn't entitle you to boo your own players. B, it doesn't entitle you to victory. And C, it certainly doesn't you know, entitle you to say a word that may have racial connotations to who you say it to. Perhaps one of the biggest stories coming out of today's loss to Liverpool is about Tom Fox again. Um, I won't go into this too much because it is controversial. It is, you know, a big deal. There could be legal repercussions about this. But a fan was removed today and their season tickets were revoked. This story, I've got it on good word. I've spoken to many people about this, not just one. Is true. An executive member of Aston Villa was spoken to, and following that confrontation, I wouldn't go as far to say confrontation. Following that exchanging of words, following that exchanging of words, um, strong maybe strong words, uh, two season tickets were revoked. The Football Supporters Federation are involved in this, and there's a possibility that legal action may be taken. I won't go as far to say that you are allowed to say anything you wish at a football club. But I'd like to think that you could be safe saying almost whatever you wanted and still being able to go home and return to an Aston Villa match in the future without your Aston Villa season ticket being revoked. If a fan's ticket was revoked for a confrontation they had with a member of staff at Aston Villa that wasn't threatening, I would be genuinely disgusted by the manner in which this club has behaved. It's one thing banning Brigada 1874 from the stadium they are a controversial group it has to be said they have split opinion fair enough it's another 
to kick two fans out for the rest of the year after they've paid so much money to see Villa based on a confrontation with a member of staff at Aston Villa. That was not threatening. The two people involved as well that had their tickets revoked weren't exactly of the threatening persuasion as well. They weren't young strapping men ready to, to you know defend their cause and go to war. It was an old man and his daughter. <sighs> what infuriates me so much about this is it's almost like a gentrification. It's sele- it's almost selecting who you want to attend Villa matches and it's not like a racial gentrification. I wouldn't dare compare it to that. But they clearly want people who go to matches not to defy, you know, the party line. Which I think is absurd. There's forty two thousand individuals in Villa Park, each of different political persuasions, each of different racial persuasions, each of di- different religious persuasions. To expect them all to follow in an orderly fashion is ridiculous. And when they don't follow in an orderly fashion, to be banned from Villa Park is absurd. It's borderline criminal. Especially if you're American. The amendments, the constitution, you know, everything that this board member should stand for were pretty much spatting in the face. Freedom of speech is paramount, isn't it, really? And to say what's on your mind and be punished for it is not something I expect to happen in the first world, let alone a football club. So I'd go to say, yeah, this ticket package we're making today, I'd think saying what's on your mind is included. You know, it is a part of buying a ticket, chanting, singing about what you like, and yeah, singing Randy Lerner is a wanker. Is part of that. It's not so much. It does contradict a bit. Tiny tiny incy bit. Of what I said earlier. About booing negativity. But the players have always been seen. To be part of this trifecta. You know. The the perfect. I think it was Jürgen Klopp. That said. You know. This perfect triangle. You know. The players. The fans. The manager. The board aren't involved. At an executive level. But they should have no involvement. With the fans. This destroys that. This goes out. The way of that. It punctures it. That relationship is dead now. Aston Villa's board have some serious PR work to do after this. And I'm not picking sides, but it doesn't look good for them. The uh, final part I'd you know like to speak about is uh, at the end of the match. You know, it's a six and a loss. People walked out. <laughs> you know that happens. But at the final part of the match, when everyone had left, you know, it was almost like the wheat had separated from the chaff. About eighty minutes. Everyone just stood to their feet and clapped for 10-15 minutes. You know, the same song. You know, we're the Villa boys making all the noise everywhere we go. That song was sung for 10-15 minutes. Everyone was on their feet. There was so many pockets where people had left. And then Jack Grimsley on Snapchat sends me exactly the same things happening in Chicago. You know, these four, five, six, seven guys are in the pub clapping their heads off. And we're there singing in Villa Park, you know. Everyone's singing and, and we're 6-0 down, remember. We should have left. We should have gone a long time ago. But everyone's clapping. No one cares about the result. And that's the perfect image of what football is in my head. Um, 
I wish it was like that every game. Uh, I'm still smiling. I've just been, before I recorded this, I was looking at all the videos of it and it is genuinely heartwarming. See everyone on their feet just not caring about the situation with the board, not caring about the players' apathy. But just giving it their all. And that makes me so proud to be an Aston Villa fan. Because I've never seen this out of a football club. There is the entitlement of Arsenal fans, you know, Leicester fans. No, sorry. You know, there is the entitlement of big clubs. You know, United fans are kicking off. Arsenal fans are a bit uneasy, you know, about the title race. Tottenham fans find out hard to let stuff go, you know. Liverpool fans are a bit annoying, to be quite honest. Um, there's so much entitlement within fan groups, and that's true of Aston Villa. But when loads of people left, that entitlement went out the window. People didn't care anymore. There was applause when Scott Sinclair hit the bar, and many of it, a lot of it may have been sarcastic, but damn it, it was applause. It was still well done. Thank you for providing us with that good section of play. And you know, I was honoured to be in that crowd with so many people clapping for 15 minutes at the end of the game and applauding our players. Paying. 56, 47, 77, 10 pounds, 20 pounds to support your your team gives you a lot. It doesn't give you any, gives you a few entitlements, but supporting your team, clapping, singing, cheering, standing, it's not an entitlement, it's an obligation. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening to the second episode of On the Pod, my lord. I'm uh, sorry that I didn't make one sooner, and I was going to make it differently about how a football club should be run. But I thought today was a perfect opportunity to take up and vent on some of the issues that were affecting me during my time at Villa Park. Um, certainly, what entitles, what entitlements and you know rights you're given when you buy a football ticket is something that needs to be discussed. I hope I've covered most of them. Um, I'd think that you know not booing, you know, supporting your team, you know, having your say, and you know, giving it your all for the match are definitely things that are included in that package um, you know negative support is not welcome regardless of what you've paid you know and I'd hope that people who boo and get angry you know have second thoughts about that and realise that they're paying to join in the support of Aston Villa not joining kicking the shit out of it when it's down I'd hope that you know people who buy tickets to Aston Villa can enjoy it as much as I did in the last 15 minutes of today's match. So yeah, I'm, again, I'm sorry it took so long to make another episode. I was uh, trying to find and pin down some issues to speak about. Uh, the next episode, uh, I hope to get the co-manager at 7500 Robert Linton on to speak about race in football. Um, it's something he's quite knowledgeable about in his line of work. Um, so it should be an interesting and deep conversation, I'd like to hope. But yes, yeah, so we'll be discussing Jamie Vardy. Uh, maybe I'm reading the book right now, Pitch Black, about Laurie, Laurie Cunningham and the you know awfully named Three Degrees. But yeah, it's very interesting to see how much part of a race plays in football. And hopefully, in the next episode, we can break it down and take a step back from Aston Villa and you know speak about life in general, which could be an interesting topic to speak about. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry for any audio issues. I have bought a new mic. I've got a nice pop filter now. But you may have heard some you know fan in the background, and I blame Football Manager for that completely. But yeah, I guess I'll be catching you in two to three weeks. Thank you very much for listening.